When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada, and this one is very special, is that we have exclusive content from IAB Canada. So Laura, thank you for joining us today to introduce what we can expect from this week's episode. Yeah, Darian, thank you for the, the inclusion of this content into the, your podcast. So, you know, our State of the Nation is an annual summit that precedes our AGM, and it really brings industry together to delve into critical updates discuss kind of the, the top key priorities on what's transpiring globally, the implications that it may have a local Canadianized perspective. Um, this year, a lot of discussions were had around the view of the Canadian economy, of course, and uh, this was done and opened up with the Chamber of Commerce. We uh, spoke at length about how brands are, are responding to some of that which is happening within today's climate, um, especially when we think about and take the privacy landscape and put that into perspective um, as we kind of have this countdown to compliance. And I also discussed addressability, what to expect, what's happening, and of course, what summit would 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 it be if we weren't also delving into the topic of AI? Of course, this was in in context to marketing, advertising, um, and really closed the discussion off with which you'll hear um, with the tech lab looking into tangible solutions that are are supporting these challenges and being built out to support these challenges that are discussed. Laura, that's amazing. And, and those that don't know, tell us who is IAB and what are you up to these days? Yeah, IAB is, uh, you know, our, our focus, our interest is everything related to the digital ecosystem. So our members are comprised of both the buy side and the sell side. And we work with industry to and our members to really understand the challenges that are being faced by those within industry uh, of course, as it relates to digital. Um, so our focus right now is continuing to look at what's transpiring on the policy and regulatory front, um, carrying on the conversation, which I know is equally important to you on, on the topic of DEI. So looking at, you know, since our charter has been adopted, what is industry doing? What are some of the strides that that we've made and where can we continue to improve upon. Um, we are continuing to touch on and uh, the, the topic of CTV, of course. Uh, measurement is continuing to be a big topic of discussion and this, you know, the the emerging emerging tech and, and what's kind of billowing out of the, U the US globally and, and again the impact that that's having in a Canadian context. Um, so those are just a few of the, the topics um, really, I, I would say that those who we're talking to are just really those who need to remain informed on the very rapid pace of the digital ecosystem and, and kind of being a part of the community in that way. 
It's amazing. And, and we can benefit from it from this podcast episode, for example. Uh, what are the other ways to get involved in IEB? Reach out. Yeah, reach out. Get in, get involved. Reach out. Uh, we can navigate together to see if you already are, if, if the company that you work for already is a member and uh, get you more integrated in um, or reach out to see what membership might entail for you based on, you know, your key areas of focus and if there's a fit and if there's an alignment there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Laura. Uh, IEB Canada for hosting the State of the Union. I am so thrilled to listen to it, find out what uh, are the current issues you guys are facing and we're facing and that what you are predicting for the future. And then uh, we'll see you back again next year, I'm sure. Sounds good, Darian. Thanks, Laura. Thank you. Well, enjoy this episode now. IEB Canada's State of the Nation. For those who can't see me, I am standing at a podium and I'm medium height and I'm wearing blue. Um, that's gonna make sense uh, as I go through my slides, hopefully. Um, today, uh, let me just advance through some of this. Here we go. Today, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you through a couple of different um, topics. It's gonna go really fast because I only have 15 minutes and I know that my team is sitting here like a bunch of pioneers waiting for me to get off the stage. So I'm gonna go really fast, but we're gonna go through the state of the industry. We're gonna talk about navigating some of the complexity that we're seeing. And we're also gonna start talking about charting a course forward. The topic or the theme uh, for my presentation today is going to be around the Titanic. Um, and not in a bad way, which I don't know whether that's going to make sense, but I'm going to try. So here goes nothing. We're going to talk about the state of the industry first. First of all, very important to put everything into context. The revenue survey that is being released this week is for 2022. It was a very difficult year. And when you look at the consumer price index, and we're going to have the chamber talking a little bit about the economy after my presentation, which I can't wait for. Um, people were making really tough decisions. Things were getting really expensive and people were making some hard choices. So um, not only that, but it was having an impact on the cost of media as well. We did a survey on the media inflation for last year, as well as this year, uh, looking at the forecast, and we saw media inflation hitting uh, the highest levels that we'd seen in a very long time, particularly in the uh, video area. Just after looking at that context, I want to share some of the highlights from this year's revenue survey. So in 2000 and, or 2022, we got uh, up to uh, 12.2 billion uh, in industry revenue, and that represents a 15% year-over-year growth. Um, but again, I want to make sure that we're all looking at this in the context of the economy and looking at it in the context of rising prices and shifting media spends. Uh, so that's really important. And that you'll see that when you look through the revenue survey itself. Performance media spending increased along with emerging categories like CTV, audio, and digital out of home, simply because inventory was being made more readily available in those categories, but also performance media presented an opportunity for uh, advertisers to stay away from some of the uncertainty, uh, uh, I guess, potholes, and be able to be a little bit more nimble with their budgets um, and not go all in on long-term plans. 
CTV is estimated at 658 million in Canada. That represents a 17.5% year-over-year growth. And display separated from social, which is how we do it in our revenue survey. Not every IAB counts media in that same way, um, but uh, display separated from social media stayed relatively flat. Programmatic, 41% uh, is bought um, through programmatic uh, channels. And 43% of that is reported to involve sales conduit. So that means looking at private uh, marketplaces or also guaranteed buys. Retail media, squarely on the radar at an estimated 912 million. So that's certainly a category that is experiencing some significant growth. Really hard to wrap ourselves around that number because it is uh, coming at us really quickly from a lot of different areas. Some of them, you know, not the likely players. Um, we think about it in terms of a lot of media or a Best Buy or Home Depot, but this also includes hotels um, and other, uh, other uh, sources of retail uh, data or first party data strength. Estimated growth overall uh, for 2023 is at a fairly, I mean, some would say that it's a positive, uh, but we, we see it as a, a moderate growth at 11% uh, for the coming year. So look for the revenue survey that's coming out this week. Um, and as I started to get inspired by the numbers, I was captivated by this picture of an iceberg, which eventually led to my whole Titanic uh, uh, rabbit hole. Um, because when I look at that 14.2% uh, or 14.2 billion uh, revenue number, I try to think about all of the work and all of the actual narratives that are happening underneath that 14.2 billion. And, uh, and then you start to think about uh, the general mood in the industry and the, the, the morale has been a little bit up and down. And there's been some, you know, fear about the uncertainty in the marketplace and fear that we're slipping into a recession. Um, you know, there's, there have been many changes in our specific landscape, you know, policy, uh, and it's enough to make you worry about what are you about to hit? What are you, or is there uh, a Titanic situation happening to our industry? And, you know, I'm here to, to sort of talk us off that ledge a little bit. Um, things have changed um, for several reasons. Uh, we, have, we have educated ourselves. We've had 20 years of experience plus in this industry. So we're getting pretty good at it. We've got better technology. We've got uh, less icebergs because our, uh, our industry and our oceans are changing. Better ships and we have got skilled captains um, so that means that we are living through a, a pretty mature industry right now. So I'm, I'm not going to belabor all of the different issues for our stakeholders, but I did want to put them on a slide and you'll get access to this afterwards. But it's a lot, a lot that we're dealing with. So the agencies you can see are, uh, are struggling with, and I'm not going to say struggle, but they're challenged with putting together, uh, you know, the, or building, building for the future. Um, and looking at, you know, from an advertiser perspective, building deeper relationships has never been more important. Um, if first party data is going to be the new way forward, that means that first party data needs to be protected, it needs to be shored up, it needs to be earned. Um, but also loyalty, when you look about when you look at the numbers that I shared about the economy, people are becoming fickle. So that means that there's added pressure 
to uh, to that bottom funnel and to the, to the loyalty uh, for our advertisers. Looking at it from a publisher perspective, so much to think about. Um, you know, looking at you know, and all these are you know, they're just words on a page, but this can fill conferences, uh, you know, uh, for days. Regulatory pressures, insulating their their inventory, in-housing tech stacks. Uh, investment in new inventory. Uh, I know that a lot of publishers who um, who are not specialized in video are thinking about making major investments in that space. Uh, so there's just a lot on the plates of uh, of the publishers. Not to mention all the all the uh, the innovations that are coming out uh, for uh, addressability in the future. When we look at ad tech, similar story. Uh, rapid innovation against really the moving regulatory targets standardization, and then also making sure that we're not building in isolation. So um, we need to think about, you know, balancing innovation with interoperability. And uh, today, uh, Tony uh, from uh, Ivy Tech Lab is going to talk a little bit about that roadmap. Of course, everyone has the AI at the bottom of their slide, so that's, you know, uh, sticks out for everyone. What's on our radar specifically? Well, building better ships. And there's uh, lots of captains and lots of ships to build. Um, fragmentation of ad tech is, is something that we're paying close attention to. Um, and what I just mentioned really holds true. The fact that everyone is trying to sort of build their proprietary systems. And this is very difficult. And, you know, when you think about the, the, the early days of the IAB, the IAB was built to develop standards so that we could actually increase spend and make it easier to invest in our space. Um, so proprietary, while we believe that it's amazing to have innovation, is also challenging because of the fact that we need to make sure that it works and that it has that scale across the entire room. Protectionism, open versus closed web solutions. So again, you know, many are thinking that they're building for the open web, but are they creating another world garden? Um, you know, and sometimes the economy pushes us in a, into a place where we're actually unknowingly building a new walled garden. Um, so again, so important to think about interoperability. Short-term planning and creating tech debt and death by iterations. This is one that I just want to spend a, like a second on. When it comes to things like privacy, six years ago, I stood on a similar stage and I spoke to this industry about the GDPR and our uh, our need to build solutions to get ahead of a GDPR-like law that was coming to Canada. I understand that the way that that couldn't come across six years ago would have been sort of, I don't know, chicken little or look, there's an iceberg we're about to hit. The reality is, is that when you're building solutions for the future, you are indeed asking for feedback based on what the future of the industry is gonna look like, not on what the industry looks like today. And so a lot of the issues that we need to work on and start, start building and start solving for are actually four or five years out. So I think that it's really important that we all start to encourage our teams and ourselves even to have discussions around what are we investing our time in and how can we build this to last? 
and not to have to continuously make great changes to our system. So I wanted to really point that out. And then there's global and domestic policy constraints. Looking at the arc here, you can see from 2015 all the way up to today, we are under siege from regulatory pressures and we have to build solutions against all of these. And we're gonna have some panel discussions around that in the coming sessions. All hands on the policy deck. That means we're making critical updates to the even the stuff that we've already built. Seated the table for um, for ADA, uh, which is the AI legislation that was tacked on to Bill 27. Um, advocacy for informed policy across all bills. That means that we need to educate the regulators who are actually creating laws around what we do for a living. And many of them, um, you know, don't understand some of the implications. Uh, mid to long term on the industry and also the cost of compliance. Um, updated terms and conditions between buyers and sellers. Certainly there are new entrants into our marketplace. Retail media, as an example, is now acting more and more like a publisher. So that means that everybody's looking for a new set of standards and terms and conditions that can uh, operate within our, within our industry. And then clear visibility into the emerging global policies. So um, a couple of things, we've developed maps and tools for this. So IEB Tech Lab is gonna talk about that a little bit later, but I encourage you to look at the stuff that we have um, put together for privacy and for addressability. Also, uh, we wanted to um, thank our sponsors for uh, assistance in the development of something that we're launching this week. That is the Canadian Media Directory. Um, and this has been you know, a lot of work from our team. So thank you very much, Jill Riggs and Leanne Wong for uh, the tireless work on uh, collecting the data. Uh, we have a database of around 3000 publishers in Canada. Uh, and uh, it makes a huge difference for media planners to be able to do a search on uh, audio in Abbotsford as an example, and to be able to uh, look at different uh, categories and different uh, types of formats uh, so that they can get contact information and actually um, go forward and, and invest in our local media landscape. So, um, so we're very proud of that. Uh, and you'll see that in, in our email this, uh, this week. Uh, crew management, this has been on our radar as well. Pendulum is swinging. We have new uh, requirements when it comes to talent. We are moving definitely more from an art to a science. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, requirements now for analytics and for uh, individuals who are able to tell stories from data. That hasn't changed, but it's actually just accelerated. So we're working on upskilling and developing materials and, and, and content. Uh, for that. And we've also seen EI, although there's been positive change, this is shifting. It's shifting and for a lot of different reasons. Um, the, the term digital social responsibility is starting to uh, increase in its definition. Uh, looking at uh, reporting readiness, you see that last point, um, carbon emissions, ethical use of AI, DEI, and accessibility um, are three areas of ESG reporting that are going to become increasingly important to our industry. And here I sit again, probably six years ahead of when it actually happens, maybe shorter. Um, but in Europe, it's already happening where you must report your ESG uh, uh, findings for a year, for uh, over a, a fiscal year. Um, that means that you need to uh, look at things like accessibility. Um, earlier when I came up and I described myself, 
you're going to start seeing a lot more of that happen. Um, and that means that we need to start following new principles. And this will obviously have some implications for the online advertising industry. We're going to need to build for this, right? We're going to need to start planning for this. And we're going to need to be able to report on this. So um, important thing on our radar. And then there's net zero carbon. There's a lot of stuff going on in this space, um, obviously. Everyone is moving towards benchmarking initiatives, and we're seeing some positive changes there. Um, there are things you can do today, though, um, to uh, to lessen your footprint. Um, you know, more direct, uh, uh, bid, uh, less bids on, on the bid page, uh, shorten the proxy. You can uh, develop some content efficiencies. There's several ways today that you can actually um, minimize your carbon uh, uh, footprint and also work with partners that are committed in that space as well. Uh, measurements. Uh, we know that there's uh, some significant work being done uh, led by the ACA and the WFA on measurement standards. I think that this is amazing. I think that the industry needs to come together and really work, uh, work together to make this happen. Um, we also believe that uh, we need to come together and develop a standard baseline from a technical perspective that we can all agree to on what is an ad that is served, what is a video that is viewed, um, really just fundamental baseline stuff so that we can actually move forward and, and start you know, digging into the, to the real meat of the problem. We're also seeing a lot more talk about attention metrics and the fact that this is now going to start replacing viewability um, and potentially redefine the value and currency um, of our media. So um, interesting stuff and a lot to a lot to learn. Responsible use of AI. We're looking at consent management. We're looking at uh, ADA, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, we have an opportunity to govern this thing before it gets ahead of us. Um, and uh, it's doable. And a lot of university professors are, are, uh, are digging into this right now. We need to pay attention and we need to start building this and controlling it um, for good. And, uh, and so that's something that we're gonna be working uh, on quite a bit. I wanted to share that, you know, I was talking about the Titanic and I, I use ChatGPT like everybody else when they're doing a presentation. And I, I typed in like, what amazing things happen on May 31st, right? Just to be kind of, you know, like on point. And uh, Titanic, the Titanic launched on May 31st, 110 years ago. So who knew? Um, but anyways, um, so, yeah, so AI, like it's here to stay. And I think that we have some really great opportunities to, uh, to actually uh, improve our work and to improve our outputs and drive efficiencies. We just need to get ahead of it. Uh, developing the gold standard, and this will be my last, I'm pretty sure, almost. Um, but developing the gold standard, putting all of this stuff into a rubric and making sure that we can actually buy against it and that the supply chain has a standard to hold itself to um, is going to be increasingly important. And so this is something that we're going to be working on uh, to the end of the year and making sure that, um, that we're capturing everything we're making it uh, accessible. So we're not like making people drop, jump, jump through hoops. Um, IAB Canada is a non-for-profit association. So uh, just a reminder, this is not a profit-making thing. It's not about putting a tax 
on the publishers or on the agencies. This is about making the industry a better place to operate in. So, um, so we're we're very conscious of that and making sure that there's not a monetary penalty to to uh, to get up to the gold standard. Um, finally, um, just some some thoughts on on you know how to avoid icebergs in, in our uh, industry. Number one, I think, would be to adopt the tools that exist today. Um, and I say this during every State of the Nation presentation, um, that we see a lot of things on LinkedIn, a lot of articles about the fact that, oh, what about fraud? What about view bill? What about, what about? Um, and not enough uh, about the tools that are out there and that people are seeing real change when they start implementing tools that are for free on, um, you know, from the IAB or from other associations that are actually helping the problems, um, reducing fraud, reducing uh, friction in the supply chain. So I'd encourage the industry to look at adopting the tools that exist today before actually complaining about the problems, because a lot of this stuff is actually being solved for already. Watch and listen to stakeholder challenges before, uh, before making potential break changes to existing standards. Super important, um, making sure that you think in the long term. I wish regulators would do that as well. Um, build for the oceans, not for the lakes. So um, remember, we live in a borderless uh, internet uh, dynamic. So um, try not to be too insular about the, the types of solutions that you're building. Um, assess short-term investments against long-term gains and potential penalties. We're looking at, you know, what is it, Jill? $25 million of penalties or 4% of your global revenue if you start, you know, coming out of compliance with some of these laws. Um, so yeah, uh, think it through. Swift perspective from short to middle long term and then um, take, uh, tech solutions take time to build. Be part of the solution, meaning lean in. Be prepared to change course. This is really important. Um, you know, oftentimes media, uh, media is, gets planned a year in advance um, and we try to be planned. We try to know what's happening. And, and, and right now we need to actually embrace uncertainty and we need to actually now build specifically for that uncertainty and be nimble and be able to change course. Um, after all, uh, the Titanic, uh, it actually uh, didn't hit the iceberg because it wasn't seen. It was actually because the, the ship couldn't turn. So you need to start thinking about building for similar situations in our industry as well. So with that, I want to welcome uh, you to the State of the Nation today. I hope that was helpful to um, to sort of set the the, the tone. Um, hopefully, it wasn't too depressing with the with the Titanic. Um, but I would encourage you to join the community if you haven't done so already. Um, if you're part of the community but you're you're uh, you're a little shy, um, please reach out to uh, to Laura or to Jill or to Leanne, to any of our team members. Um, and get involved in our councils and committees because that's so meaningful to us. And thank you for your continued support. And that's it. Um, at the very end, I've got to talk about the next IAB event, which is an e-commerce event, but I think we're going to supplant that with a Titanic watch party. Um, so if we could add that, I would appreciate it. I think one of the benefits of hearing Sonia speak is always the idea that when we're out of the office, 
it is a great opportunity to step back and look at the big picture. I want to stay away from the sinking ship metaphor. But one thing that I think you said that was really good was if we're to invoke uh, chess or the Queen's Gambit, the idea of thinking five moves ahead. And I think that's one of the benefits of what we do here today. And that's one of the benefits that the IAB does. There are tremendous resources. I actually poured over the retail media handbook, which was incredibly detailed. So I do urge you to check it out. With that, uh, the next fun topic of the day, the economy. Um, Marwa Abdu, who is the Senior Research Director of the Canadian Chamber of Commerce, is here to talk to us um, about a macro view of what's going on in the Canadian economy. Wow. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Marwa Abdu. I'm the Senior Research Director for the Canadian Chamber of Commerce and its uh, analytics data arm, the Business Data Lab. And um, so I'm mean, really excited to be here today. And it's a bit of a full circle moment. I was thinking about this as an undergrad in first year uh, commerce in, at Queen's University. I was dead set on being, oh, Queen's alumni, awesome. The one person. <laughs> um, I was dead set on being, uh, charting a career in advertising and marketing. So it goes to show how much data I had back then and how well I could forecast. Um, that said, I'm here today to talk to you a little bit more about what's next for Canada's digital advertising sector. But before I start, I first and foremost want to thank the IAB team for, uh, for putting this event together and for inviting me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here today and to learn from all of you. A little bit about the Business Data Lab. It was launched in February 2022 as a collaboration between the Canadian Chamber of Commerce and Statistics Canada. And the impetus behind it was really born out of the pandemic, where we noticed that businesses of all sizes really were struggling to find nimble, real-time, granular data. And, you know, as Sonia touched on uh, a lot of the themes that I'm, I'm gonna talk about, the, the most important thing is to really be equipped with information um, when you're really ch charting uncertainty. Um, it helps you make better decisions and it helps you have a better line of sight um, in terms of what you need to do. Um, especially when you have so many challenging uh, challenges and compounding uh, issues that are coming at you, whether you're a business or a consumer. So uh, there we go. Um, so the first thing that I want to talk about is provide a context on the current business and economic conditions, not to give you all PTSDs, we're still kind of working through it. And um, if, if for any kind of nerd, econ nerds in the room, I, I don't know if I, I have any fellow nerds in the room, but um, this morning, uh, StatsCan released its latest GDP data, and it was actually better than expected. So the economy is continuing to surprise us. Uh, there's a lot of steam left in the engine. Labor markets are still very tight, which means that it's in favor of those who are looking for jobs. Uh, businesses are really under the gun fighting tooth and nail to uh, grapple with these challenges, uh, whether it's, you know, labor challenges, whether it's inflation, whether it's supply chain issues, whether it's interest rates. So there's a lot that's happening and there's a lot of uncertainty. I'll go quickly through that just because I'm also conscious of time, but I want to focus more a little bit on 
looking at digital advertising trends and kind of trying to get a pulse on what's happening and how digital advertising has really, through data, has evolved, um, has given us enough of a story to understand where it's going and what we can do about it as businesses and people in the sector. And then I'll kind of touch on what the outlook ahead might look like. So in terms of current uh, business and economic conditions, we've obviously had a very exciting couple of years. Um, multiple global and domestic shocks. We had the pandemic, which we're all very glad to be somewhat out of. Um, we had that spurred in, in, in turn a number of policy responses uh, and it, you know, in turn also affected the labor markets. And we also had, you know, global uh, challenges, uh, including the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, and in response, we had soaring inflation, soaring interest rates as a result of the bank trying to kind of reel in the economy and slow down that heat and declining growth. So inflation obviously hit a peak last June and is slowing down, but it's still giving us a run for our money because it's well above the Bank of Canada's target rate, which is the 2%. And the Bank of Canada has really been aggressive in terms of its interest rate hikes. It issued eight interest rate hikes and then put them on pause at the beginning of this year. With the most recent data of inflation that we got in April, inflation actually, rather than continuing to decelerate, actually had an uptick. So uh, we're still in that phase where we're still kind of on this topsy-turvy ride of trying to see how the economy is going to continue to respond to these interest rate hikes. And you know, for those who are pr probably confused about some of these terms, so when the Bank of Canada issues an interest rate hike, it takes about between four to eight terms for that to really take effect in the economy. And what that means is usually when they're hiking up interest rates, the idea is to bring down inflation, the idea is to bring back the labor markets into balance and to slow down growth and to kind of bring demand back in balance. Um, so we know that inflation is still an issue and we're probably not going to see that fully come down until the end of the year. And we know that the Bank of Canada has also revised its expectation. And then this is perhaps a, a silver lining insight um, in its latest monetary policy report. So telling us that while we expect a recession, it's actually uh, better than expected in terms of how bad it will be, um, but it will take a minute for us to get through it. Costs. So one of the things that we work on at the Business Data Lab is we work with StatsCan on something called the Canadian Survey on Business Conditions. And what that is, it's a survey that's conducted quarterly, and it really is a read on what's on business minds in terms of what's happening in the economy. Um, the last quarter, we had about 16,000 businesses um, surveyed, and we asked them, you know, what are the top obstacles that you expect in the coming quarter? And, you know, costs of labor, unshockingly, are right at the top of that list. We know that from the data um, as well, and we know when we ask them, you know, what's the percentage of businesses that are expecting to raise the selling price of their goods and services um, over the next quarter, 
we know that that still also has a normalized. And while we see a decline somewhat in the percentage of businesses reporting that they are um, expecting to continue to increase prices, that number has come down, but it's still fairly up there um, with 33% reporting that they still anticipate that, uh, prices to continue to increase. And with the latest data on inflation, I personally don't expect that number to really budge anytime soon. The next quarter survey will be released in the coming weeks. So I urge you all to go to the Chamber's website um, to kind of follow along. And we have a lot of data that's available there for all of you to use. Um, and it might not be intuitive at, at first, but we have something called the Business Conditions Terminal, which really looks at like one, over 2,000 indicators from transportation to tourism. You can filter by CMA. Um, and really access and get a kind of a pulse check on what's happening in the economy across various sectors. It's free to use, it's always on, and it's available for everybody um, and relevant, obviously, for all businesses of all industries. Speaking of industries, one of the things that we also looked at is in terms of expectations to raise prices, you know, which industries are actually having um, a high, like expect prices to be in obstacles. Um, and the most, the most kind of percentage of reporting we see is in retail trade, in wholesale trade, in construction, in manufacturing, accommodation and food services. So really front-facing industries. And um, they're industries that are really working hand-in-hand -hand with consumers and are uh, having to deal with them more immediately. In terms of supply chains, and I know this is not perhaps something that um, affects the digital advertising sector per se, but it gives you also uh, a context of the kinds of challenges that businesses are dealing with. Supply chains have been a continued issue um, throughout the pandemic, and a lot of businesses have really started to report that, and this is great in terms of seeing how nimble and agile businesses have been. Uh, in terms of responding to some of these challenges. They're looking to partner with new suppliers. They're looking to substitute inputs with alternatives. And to Sonia's point, I think that agility is really important here, thinking about how do you pivot? How do you uh, continue to meet consumer demand? And also how do you prepare yourself for an economic uh, climate that is growing more and more challenging to, uh, to maintain market share? And, uh, when consumers' pockets are really stretched thin. So this is this is what, what you're all here for. So what's the pulse on digital trends and the business sentiment? So one of the things that I wanted to kind of go back to our data on and, and try to understand is what's happening in the e-commerce sector, what's happening in digital in Canada. And also to Sonia's point, I think the data that's available is still not as granular and nimble as we would like. The latest data that I could find on Snaps Can in terms of digital technology and internet use, though, this is a little bit of a read in terms of where businesses are at in, ter uh, in terms of e-commerce and, and how that looks in Canada. And obviously, the pandemic kickstarted huge uh, reliance, on, uh, even more so, on technology, and consumers were really resorting. Um, to go to do all of their shopping online or to reach their businesses more online and businesses responded to that. So you see this increase in kind of investment in online advertisements. You see it in the data. You see businesses reporting a higher percentage of e-commerce sales in 2021, which is likely a month, well, 
a better uh, economic climate than the one that um, existed in 2022. And you'll see the numbers kind of take a dip. What's interesting, and again, going to the kind of nerdy side of my brain, I wanted to take a look and see if there's empirical evidence in terms of how advertising, online advertising, responds to economic trends and downturns. And not surprisingly, there's a lot of empirical evidence that online and advertising are amongst the marketing instruments that are most procyclical to the economy. What that means is when the economy is doing not so great, people are kind of reeling back their advertising budgets. And when the economy is doing better, they are more willing and more active in that investment. Again, none of this is shocking, but what's interesting is where they're actually putting that money and which businesses are actually um, making an effort in terms of maintaining that market share and saying, okay, we know that this is a tough period of time. We know that we need to navigate it with a certain agility and flexibility. So we need to look at what consumers need today as opposed to in the future and as opposed to yesterday. So it's important to continue to keep that in mind. And what I will say is, if you do not take anything from this presentation, three things I want you to remember, and I'll repeat them at the end of this presentation. Calibrate your investment to consumer demand, something that you already know, that consumers are no longer making the same decisions that they made three years ago. Their choices are different. The way they look at investment is different. And in a climate where their dollars aren't going as far, it's up to us who are trying to kind of maintain their interests and share to continue to meet what it is that they are asking for. And so it's important to keep listening and to keep relying on data, which brings me to the next point. Let the data guide the way that you engage um, with these consumers um, and, and make sure that you're taking a look at what's proven effective as, what, as opposed to what looks kitschy or cool or what other businesses are doing. So just keeping kind of this perspective of understanding what's happening in the industry, also what's happening in the consumers, um, as opposed to kind of keeping a tunnel vision in terms of doing things as the status quo and praying and hoping that, you know, things will pan out. So we know the digital advertising expenditure has um, averaged about 2% annual growth over the last almost three decades. Um, that said, what's interesting about this is when I, and I pulled this data from IBIS uh, because I couldn't find any available, any publicly available data in terms of expenditure. It just felt like I was like running down the rabbit hole. So if you know other sources, I would be more than grateful for you to kind of share that with me. Um, but it still goes to show how advertising responds to economic downturn. You see the dips that happened during the Great Recession and the financial crisis of 2008 and 2009. You see um, the decline and that dip in the middle happening because people are relying more on their phones and aren't really going to buy the weekly newspaper from you know, the regular stands. Um, and they're not engaging uh, with media in the same way. Um, consumers are stretched in terms of attention. So there's a decline that you see in advertised spending, but that's because there's a shift in where companies are putting their money. But also you see it in the COVID-19 crisis and that did happen in 2020 more particularly. Forecast is that, that mark that um, the total advertising expenditure is going to continue to kind of 
uh, grow into 2023, albeit at a very modest pace. Um, and I expect it to continue to do so uh, and to pick up as, as we kind of navigate our way out of this tough time. The proportion of e-commerce sales has also grown over the last decade to a peak of 8.7%, which might seem kind of low, but it's actually pretty significant when you see that in 2012, we were at 1.5%. So there is proof in the pudding that you know companies are really steering away, they're using new technology, they're trying to find ways to reach consumers. And here's the really exciting part, a lot of numbers, but let me kind of guide you through it. So one of the things in the Canadian Survey on Business Conditions is we try to get a pulse check on where businesses are going. So when we ask them, what are your plans to implement new or update pre-existing digital technology to enable or enhance e-commerce or online sales? we saw that the majority of businesses are actually planning to do that. One thing I will say, when a business plans to invest in technology, if they're smart enough, they know that the benefit they will get from that technology is actually not gonna happen for at least a year out, a year, two, or a couple out. The reason why is because they need to hire the skill set if they don't have it existing in-house to be able to use that technology. So the benefit doesn't actually accrue right away. So when a business plans to invest in technology during a time of downturn, it's actually a good meter for business confidence that, you know, better times are coming ahead. So even though the percentages might seem, again, low, it's important to think and contextualize what this data means in the context of the current climate. So I actually see it as a positive thing. After the pandemic, we saw a share of the total online sales falling. And the reason why is because you had a very, very tough climate, economic climate, inflation took hold, consumers were stretched. That being said, we still have businesses planning to adopt new technologies. They're looking forward. And the, the, particularly, we're seeing that manufacturing, information, culture, professional services firms, and retail trade leading those technology adoption plans across the board, not just in AI. And also with regards to AI, I know it's like the hot thing to talk about. Everybody's talking about AI right now. I will say AI is a very complex thing. It's important that AI is not lumped kind of all under one umbrella. AI comes in various forms. Um, it is part of uh, technology uh, in smaller and bigger pieces. And there is other technology that businesses are thinking about, including automation of tasks, including robotics, including software and hardware using um, AI. Um, so I think it's important to also keep in mind that it is the only technology that businesses are looking to implement in. That said, businesses are looking at technology in a much different way, of course, because of everything that has happened over the past couple of years, which is a great sign. Roughly three in 10 firms, though, cite, and as I said, um, in terms of hiring uh, talent to be able to use that technology, three in 10 firms are citing that hiring skilled employees and access to finance as a top challenge to adopt new technologies. Again, the majority of Canadian businesses are small businesses. 
So when you're thinking about that again, that's an important piece of the puzzle. So investment in new technology is a major decision. And for them to say, we're still planning to invest in new technology, it shows that they have a certain um, fight and resilience to make it through this uh, tough climate. So again, I'm happy to share these slides and you can kind of take a look and digest the numbers in more detail uh, after this. What does all this mean? So I, I just hurled a bunch of data at you. I told you the economy is not really doing great. You don't know when recession is really gonna hit. What it means is that first and foremost, a recession will happen. Is it as bad as expected? No. It will likely last until the end of 2023. We will probably start to come up uh, for air in 2024. So it's actually not that far uh, of, a, of a time period to kind of to dread. Um, and I think that's important to keep in mind, particularly when we're thinking about how we're going to kind of navigate this challenging time. So it's important that uh, we're not kind of overemphasizing or underemphasizing certain aspects. So how bad inflation is, yes, it's bad, but is it coming down? Yes. And is the Bank of Canada going to issue more hikes? Yes. But again, all of this is not new. These challenges are not new in, in singular form. And we've navigated them in one way or another over history. The good thing is that through these challenges, you know better, you learn better, and that you continue to maintain that fight and that perspective, uh, that long-term perspective. So those three points that I was talking about, calibrate your investments to consumer demand. The next thing I want you to remember is to let data guide the way. We have a bunch of data on the Canadian Chambers website. Again, I urge you all to go check it out under the Business Data Lab tab. There's a lot there, including things like the mobility data, which um, was one of our first launches and um, really looks at foot traffic in 157 Canadian uh, CMAs and looks at how cities around Canada are changing and evolving, where consumers are, how they are moving um, and what that might mean for the way cities are built in the future. And I think that's also really important in the digital advertising space in terms of where you think um, you can reach your consumers and how do you go about it. The last thing is think about how you can optimize your existing resources rather than looking to kitchen new gadgets at the moment in time, particularly if your budgets are stretched thin. That being said, there's also evidence that smart brands that expand or sustain their marketing budgets during economic contraction are much more likely to succeed. So just make sure that you are keeping that at the forefront in your mind, that this isn't the time to cut back. This is the time to kind of stand still, but kind of think more intentionally about where that dollar is being spent. And there's a lot of um, evidence and data that can be helpful to guide those decisions. At minimum, look to what your peers are doing in the industry, have those conversations, be brave and bold enough to kind of ask those questions that Frankly, no policymaker can really um, claim to have a Ouija board to say what's going to happen in the future, but we all know that this isn't going to be kind of the end of humankind and that we will make it through. Thank you so much. Please feel free to reach out with any questions, um, and I'm more than excited to be here and absolute pleasure to kind of learn from all of you. Thank you.
Thank you, Marwa. Where did Marwa go? Um, two um, fun little facts. Um, in the 1920s, um, Post cereals pulled back on all their advertising and Kellogg's did not. And Kellogg's grew market share about 30%. And in the 1990s, Taco Bell and Pizza Hut actually outspent McDonald's while McDonald's actually pulled back on their advertising. So fitting that we should be at a advertising oriented event. And so I do think the takeaway of is there's ample data that suggests spending in a recession is a good idea. Um, there's a good HBR quote that says, um, you know, use a scalpel and not a cleaver when looking at um, your business and your ad spend. So with, with just sort of keeping um, the idea of using information, which was Marwa's point, and even just all the free data that's available, but also using data in order to really get a pulse check. Um, I do think it's uh, fitting and timely that we introduce uh, Paul Rich uh, from Comscore. Paul is gonna give us the digital year in review, which is a full wrap up of the Canadian and global audience insights from 2022. So over to you, Paul. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, thank you very much for having me. My name is Paul Rich. I'm the director of Comscore Canada. Uh, Comscore is a third-party digital measurement company, and it's through this measurement that we're able to provide these insights on the digital year interview today. So I like starting with the same summary slide I'm going to end with. Canadian consumption is thriving. Uh, we highlight a few categories that are bouncing back from the pandemic's effects. Uh, we're going to highlight the local news category for a little bit. We'll talk about social audiences and how they're under-monetized in Canada. And then we have some really interesting data on the effect of multi-screens on on-brand web servers. So uh, getting right into the Canadian consumer, when we look at how Canadians access the internet, you can access the internet in a month via mobile and mobile only, uh, via desktop and desktop only, and via a combination of both, multi-platform, so desktop and mobile. What I want you to look at here is the orange box under Canada, and that is our desktop only audience. So in Canada, we have the highest um, percentage of people or demographic that accesses the internet solely on their desktop. So why I think this is important is because we always hear how important um, mobile is. And I, I don't disagree with that. Having a mobile strategy is very important. But whether you're on the buy side or the sell side, you know, I think it'd be important not to forget about these desktop only users. When we look at video consumption and video consumption across platforms, it continues to grow. Uh, when comparing 2021 to 2022, uh, we see video watched on desktop on mobile increase by 8%. And then videos watched on CTV. This is connected TV, not CTV, the, the Bell Media News Station. So on connected TV, uh, it increased from 2.6 billion to 3.3 billion uh, in the last nine months of last year, which represents an increase of 27%. Um, I see lots of pictures. I love it. Take as many pictures as you want. Uh, feel free to give me a shout. I'm happy to pass along the presentation. Um, closing the Canadian consumption story by looking at the video. Um, in 2019, Instagram uh, integrated uh, Reels 
and over time those reels have uh, gone longer, longer in length. And um, for the first time ever, we're seeing that uh, reels are initiating uh, more engagement, more of an outcome than carousel. So you can see short form video growth here, growing massively on Instagram reels, 82% on TikTok. And with YouTube shorts, uh, actions taken from these YouTube shorts have increased over 1,600%. Highlighting a few categories that have bounced back from um, the pandemic's effects, it's great to see that Canadians are uh, returning to form in regards to live streaming and concert going. We see on social uh, actions on, um, uh, we're mentioning concert has increased 92%. Uh, Ticketmaster's UVs have engaged by 45%, and Spotify's unique visitors has increased 63% since uh, 2019. And as Canadians become more comfortable with, with the idea of travel, we've seen increased engagement for all things travel. That's ads, that's posts, that's web visits. So 75% of Canadians uh, accessed the travel category last year. A third of that access came from uh, a mobile app. 41% of Canadians are always looking for um, inspiration on where to travel. 28% will post on, on their travel experience. And um, whether it's the advertising uh, coming back via digital, but also um, on social as well, we've seen increased post, uh, posts and, and interaction with advertising on the travel category. Now with more Canadians embracing this new normal or back to normal, however you want to define it, uh, it's interesting to see how uh, travel, uh, travel planning and coordination um, differs by age. So we see here TripAdvisor and Expedia remain highly engaged across the demographics. Um, but when you look at uh, uh, Airbnb, it tends to skew younger. And then if you look at Uber, Uber's uh, reduced reach by age. Um, it's interesting to see the momentum gained and maintained of Canadians uh, visiting Government of Canada digital contact, content. So during the pandemic, we all looked to uh, the government to tell us, you know, what to do or if we could go out of our houses. And uh, after that, you know, you would expect that that pipe, that spike to decrease, but it really hasn't decreased that much. It's actually increased since pre-pandemic levels. So the pandemic drove a ton of traffic to government online. And um, it's interesting now that Canadians are more used to and they're more in line with using government's online services. Despite inflation or higher interest rates, we see um, uh, increased interest in the automotive categories. Uh, interestingly, the, the manufacturers that are either promoting or introducing the, the highest amount of electric vehicles are garnering the highest increase. So what we can kind of extrapolate from that is sustainability is very important to the auto intender. So the automotive industry is, is back. The retail category not only survived, but it's thrived um, on the e-commerce side and the media side. So when you look at the Amazons or the best buys of the Loblaws of the world, not only are they selling products, but they're also um, selling media as well. Um, so it's a very interesting spot to be in. Um, so selling ads, not just products. So you can see a double digit or near double digit increase in uh, the retail category here. So again, uh, not just uh, surviving, but thriving. 
Um, it's interesting to see how um, Canadians access the retail category and how that differs by age and by platform. So when looking at um, multi-platform, so that's the desktop and the mobile, when the results for the retail category, um, you, you see more retailers or more accessories or electronics. Now, if we take a look at that from a mobile perspective, um, you can see that mobile is driving a complete different engagement. So uh, Canadians are very adept and very uh, happy to order food, deliveries, and groceries um, via their social app. And that really drives a huge, huge interaction of the retail category versus mobile. So one of the areas we saw an explosion of content was the, was the news category. So what we did is we aggregated Canadian owned and operated or Canadian um, local news and broadcasters. And you can see some of them in that circle there, but ultimately that reached 89% of Canadians. Time spent on homegrown news um, increased by 9% and we increased um, by 1.3 million um, visitors to the uh, Canadian and news broadcasting. So it's a great story, you know, um, Canadian owned and operated, you know, when they succeed, we all succeed. Uh, the one challenge we do have is with uh, whitelist and blacklist. So we turn to news as a, as a local trusted source. So as an industry, we could turn some attention to our whitelist and blacklist to be able to promote that industry a bit more. The growth of social just continues to grow and grow, uh, but there lies, uh, lies a, a great opportunity. So look at the growth of uh, social networks. You can see um, by reach and by UV, you can see uh, Facebook or, or Meta there on the far left, very high reach of Canadians, but also a lot of time spent. And then if you look at TikTok on the third position there, they have half as many UVs as Facebook does, but time spent is almost the exact same amount. So um, we see a huge, huge opportunity for, for people to monetize their, their social content. Uh, one thing I wanna draw your attention to are the, the logos in the top right, uh, the next door and the meetups of the world. These micro communities we're seeing increased massive exponential growth um, with uh, Canadians trying to find information on their local com uh, communities. So uh, social, very important to Canadians, whether at uh, a big macro level or the micro level as well. Here we're looking at the top social posts uh, based on actions or views. Um, so again, uh, they're by um, social posts by the top Canadian players, really further drives the opportunity to monetize. Uh, if we look at the bottom left there, uh, the top tweet last year was by the Toronto Blue Jays. And that tweet alone got 3.7 million views. Now I did some math online and I kind of feel like the average attendance for the Blue Jays is around 30,000, 81 games. So we see about 2.7 million uh, fans go through the, the Rogers Center. So you've got on one hand, 2.7 million fans, but this one tweet garnered 3.7 million views. So if we're in the business of, of being in business, then why wouldn't you want to monetize this? Um, this gets very interesting for me anyways. I really like this slide, uh, branded posts versus branded actions. So what we've seen since 2019 is a slight decline in branded posts. 
that's on the left-hand side, but on the right-hand side, we see an increase in branded actions. So that's a really interesting juxtaposition that the branded posts are going down, but even though those branded posts are going down, the engagement or the actions from it is going up. So this kind of reinforces the story about how important it is to, to monetize the, show, the social in Canada. So who's doing it right? You know, the, the sports and recreation uh, category is doing it pretty well. So 73% of engagement uh, comes, of, of sponsored content comes from the sports and recreation category. Um, so sports is doing it right. There's the opportunity for other categories to do it right as well. Just wanna highlight the growing opportunity that social is, uh, the monetization of the um, social and branded content. Uh, a couple years ago, Comscore bought a company called Shareably uh, for our social analytics. Uh, but in the back of the mind, we were always thinking about how does that social interact with our digital day to day. So there's a lot of investment by the buy side and the sell side that goes into their social strategies and their social footprint. And when we think about cross-platform, you know, we naturally think about TV and digital, but cross-platform is also social and digital as well. So the market has asked for some information based upon a social impact alongside their digital app, app uh, impact. So Comscore's launched something called Social Incremental. Um, it's in beta right now with uh, publishers. Uh, so in the second half of the year, what we'll be doing is introducing these two new columns to your media metrics products. So on the right hand side, you see the, the blue box, which is the social, and this is bringing in your social UVs into the media metrics platform. And then alongside it, you can see your, your mobile UVs and your desktop UVs. And then that second column we're gonna add is that orange on the far left, which is called TDD, TDP plus or total digital population plus. Again, it's in beta, let's give marketing some time to come up with some metric names. Um, but what that is going to give you is that will give you your unduplicated number across your social, your digital, and uh, your desktop. So again, you know, we think it's a, a great opportunity to bring this measurement to the Canadian market to help monetize your, your branded content. And uh, the last uh, topic I'm going to head on is... Um, multi-platform brand lift. So uh, we've seen an explosion of growth in brand survey lifts. Um, and so what we wanted to do is take a look at all of our US campaigns and take a look and bring some studies to, to the Canadian market here. So at the end of the day, more screens equals more lift, but you're also introducing some variability here. Um, so in this slide here, we're looking at TV, CTV, and digital, and how brand lift surveys using those screens. So if you look in the middle of the ad recall there, you know, if you use one screen, you're looking at a two, two, three percent increase, but four screens, you get up to uh, 20, 20 plus brand increase in uh, recall, but added variability there. Um, so greater screens add to greater lifts, but again, you know, some variability there. Uh, with each screen added, the aided, the aided awareness lift increases as well. So if we're looking at that 18 to 24 category, if you're gonna do a brand lift on TV, you're looking at an average lift of 6%. Uh, when you add digital on top of that TV, you've got 15.8% and TV plus digital plus OTT, you're looking at close to 18% brand lift. Um, I call this my cheat code slide. I really like this slide. Um, when you're looking at how to optimize the platforms for multi-screen brand lift, 
this is a great thing for, for you to take a look at. So if we wanted to have a, a brand lift campaign for aided awareness, you know, digital, a combination of digital TV and CTV will drive an, an average uh, increase of 6.3%. Ad recall, you want to focus on social and TV. And then for favorability and recommendation intent, digital, social, and TV um, will help you drive the biggest um, lifts. So again, uh, in, in summary, Canadian consumption is, is thriving. We're growing in sight, sound, and motion. Many of the categories that were affected by the pandemic has either bounced back or surpassed that. Um, looking at Canadian players is a great opportunity. So let's work together on you know, trust in news and cleaning up the ecosystem of, of, of white, white lists and black lists. And then um, there's the opportunity to monetize the branded um, content in, in, in Canada. So let's figure out how we can best support you in doing that. And then adding screens increases brand lift. Um, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. My email is there. Drop me a line if you'd like the presentation or if you'd like to discuss anything else. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded at the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editor, Travis Jeffers. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.